Almost two million Ukrainians have been forced to flee their country in the wake of Russia's brutal invasion. It is already Europe's worst refugee crisis since the Second World War. Ukrainians are leaving their country any way they can. So far, more than 2,000 refugees have come to Ireland from Ukraine. But the government is making plans to accommodate up to 100,000 people in the weeks and months ahead. My mum and my brother are both in Ukraine and my extended family and most of my friends are still in Ukraine. They are safe for now, but as safe as anyone can be in Ukraine, which is not very. It is paralyzing fear just to to not know what the second when you wake up, you don't know what's happening in Ukraine. Tatiana Marishko has been living in Ireland for 20 years. While her own family have decided not to leave Ukraine, Tatiana is helping refugees from her home country arriving in Ireland. I am in communication with my mum. My brother has now joined the armed forces. So the communication with him is very limited and very sparse. I, I don't know where he is. I don't know exactly what he does, but I know he's safe for now and that's what I need to know. I'm Connor Pope and this is in the news from the Irish Times. Today, the horror of having to leave your home at a time of war and how Ireland is responding to the crisis. Tatiana, you've been in Ireland for around 20 years. Can you tell me a little bit about the Ukrainian community here? Well, it's not very large, as as you would imagine. Um, There's not that many Ukrainians in Ireland, but it has been quite active in organising Ukrainian events and spreading the information about Ukraine. And I think ever since the events of 2013 and 2014, we had to mobilise. We had to raise humanitarian aid. We had to raise information about, you know, the events that were happening in Ukraine at that time. And therefore, there is a bit of a structure There are a lot of people that are very involved and that wanted to help, especially these days. Since February the 24th, things have got so much worse for the people of Ukraine. And I'd say an awful lot of the community here have family and friends who've been caught up in the conflict. And it must be a very distressing time for the whole community here. Well, I think the first day we all just froze. And the second day, it dawned on all of us that this is the beginning of a very long road. And... Everybody wanted to do something. So there was a lot of kind of isolated initiatives started everywhere. And then by day three, we were kind of thinking if we were to effectively deliver some sort of help, we needed to pull our resources together and create an infrastructure that we can work around. So we had to do that very quickly. And a lovely team of people came together with IT backgrounds, project managing backgrounds and We sat down and we said, how can we do it in the most efficient and organised way? And what does that structure entail? What what is it that the community, the infrastructure, the network can do to help the people of Ukraine? So when we sat down, we kind of highlighted the directions that we would like to work in and that we are able to help. So the first one would be the obvious one, the humanitarian one. We worked with communities to raise humanitarian aid and coordinate its transportation to Ukraine. I know a lot of initiatives are on the ground that deliver to the Polish border or to the border with um, Romania and Moldova and other countries. We managed to get our cargo to Ukraine and we are in constant communication with 
volunteers on the ground so then they they can distribute all of that cargo around and as you can imagine the the needs are ever evolving and they're ever changing so you know we're working very closely with them to supply what's what's needed the most we've seen talk of uh, of the number of refugees from ukraine that are going to come to ireland i think anywhere between maybe 60,000 and 100,000 what kind of supports do they need from from your group and from other people we we're doing everything in our power to to have the support available to them 24/7 there are a lot of people that are staying with ukrainian relatives and friends there are a lot of people that are staying with irish families that have no connections with them whatsoever. I know there are a lot of people that are staying in hotel accommoda- accommodation at the moment, but it, we, we do not leave anyone behind. We, we are in constant communications. We have groups created where any needs, you know, no small or big of a need is ignored. Ukrainian community has been, and not only Ukrainian community, but wider communities of Ireland have been, we, we cannot ask for more because everything we need is given to us. And as I said, skills, time, money, infrastructures, houses. We've opened the hearts of every Irish person here. So we cannot fault the response of population of Ireland. It's been amazing. It's been overwhelming. It's been humbling in so many ways. And and it's been so reassuring to know that um, we are in a country where that level of empathy is extended to us. Tatiana, how would you characterise the mood of the Ukrainian community in Ireland now? What are people feeling about the horrors that we're seeing happening in Ukraine right now? Again, it's something we've never had to face before on that level. And I think everybody is coping with that in very different ways. And I know we try to channel that anger into action and do to do something, you know, whether to spread awareness whether to you know ask for humanitarian aid but there's a lot of anger and sadness and i don't think any of us have managed to process exactly what's happening just yet we're just in a fight and flight mode at the moment and you know this mobilization of efforts is just keeping us above the water and giving us something that we're doing something and i know a lot of people feeling you know, guilty for for staying here and for not doing enough. And even when they're working 24-7 around the clock, around their full-time jobs and families, they still feel they're not doing enough for Ukraine. But yes, anger, sadness, um, despair, detachment in, in some in some cases, because it's just too too hard to even compute for our brains that that's what's happening to our to our homeland. Late on Monday evening, a young woman called Olena Melantova arrived in Ireland on a flight from Slovakia. Days earlier, she had travelled hundreds of kilometres alone from her home in western Ukraine, leaving her family and her life there behind. It was a really, really difficult decision. Yeah, I've been panicking for the last seven days. Uh, like, uh, going to bed with uh, tears in my eyes because I, I didn't know what to do. For example, when on Thursday uh, you could go to the shop, like you could drive, yes, because there were roads, but we have no idea what will be there tomorrow, whether we'll be able to go outside. What did you leave behind? 
while I left my family and my parents. I hope they are safe, but uh, like they don't have stable internet connection. Yeah, I can't communicate with them, but I hope they are safe and sound. But uh, I can't be sure. And where are you staying now, Lena? Uh, now I am in uh, Dublin. I arrived to the airport uh, and uh, they got me accommodation, uh, housed me in a hotel. Yeah, I don't know for how long yet. Yeah, because like we weren't able to ask any questions yet because we arrived late. And it's very early days and you're only just getting settled in this country. And obviously you don't know how long you'll be here. But what would you like to do when you're here? How would you like your, your life to be in Ireland for as long as you are here? I'm not sure yet. So if it's possible, I would uh, study somewhere and get some skills. Uh, for example, some IT courses and finish some IT courses and uh, get some skills like this. Lena, thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. Have a nice day. Coming up, how will the government prepare for the arrival of nearly 100,000 refugees? Harry McGee is the political correspondent with the Irish Times. Harry, we know that as many as 100,000 Ukrainian refugees could be coming to Ireland in the months ahead. What's being done to prepare for their arrival? Initially, uh, most of those who've arrived will be staying with relatives. They have some connection uh, with Ireland. Uh, if more arrive who don't have a connection with Ireland, uh, what's going to happen is that the government is going to acquire hotel rooms, essentially, and house them on a temporary basis. In tandem with that, there's also this uh, registration scheme, which has been done in association with the Irish Red Cross. So Irish uh, households and families who are willing and able and have accommodation to host Ukrainian refugees are being invited to register. But that does take time. And Roderick O'Gorman, who's the minister responsible for that, did say this morning that all households who will take refugees or are willing to take refugees will need to be vetted uh, to make sure that the refugees are staying in a safe environment and the accommodation is suitable. So knowing the way that Ireland works, I think that's going to take a little time. Beyond that, if the numbers become even bigger than that, they have to start looking at other solutions. Uh, one of the solutions that has been mentioned is modular housing, which is essentially prefabs. Uh, they can be put up quickly. But I mean, the difficulty is, of course, the planning difficulties, as we well know, with housing in Ireland. And then they also have to provide services, running water, electricity and all of that. So that's something that really can't be done overnight. I was going to ask about that. I mean, if if we're struggling to, to, to manage housing for people who are already in the country, how are we going to manage another 50, 60, 70, 80, 90,000 people coming into the country who also need housing and adequate housing at that? Yeah, with, with difficulty. Uh, I, I think that the difference is that the, the, the housing that will be provided to them uh, initially will be off a temporary basis. And if it looks like the war is uh, bedding in and likely to continue, uh, that's just going to be a very, very complicated uh, problem uh, to solve because you will have a, a new housing need 
uh, that is coming on top of an already existing uh, housing problem. And I think that's going to be very, very difficult to achieve, Connor, to be honest. And can I ask about the welfare supports that are going to be in place and the access to PPS numbers? I mean, will Ukrainians who come here have the same access to social welfare as EU citizens? And will they be given access to PPS numbers quickly? And will they have the capacity to find work? I, I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. I think that uh, the Department of Social Protection is working on a system whereby they're being, they, they can be given PPS number. And once you have a PPS number, you are, uh, have a range of entitlements in relation to welfare and in relation to the, the right to work. And also the obligation to pay taxes, of course, uh, comes after that. But I, I think that's going to happen very quickly. Just finally, is there a sense that there is unanimity of purpose here amongst the, 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 the political classes? Is, is there complete support for everything that the government is doing to offer support to the people of Ukraine who want or need to come here? Yes, I, I, I think there's no dissenting voices in relation to what's been offered. I think every party agrees with that. I think where differences are apparent uh, is in relation to the more abstract and kind of, not, not ethereal, but the abstract questions uh, in relation to Ireland's place in the world. I think there's a, a, a very intense debate that started and will continue in relation to neutrality. But when it comes to, you know, the ordinary human beings and the plight of ordinary human beings, I think there's very little dissent uh, between the parties in relation uh, to what the country should do uh, to make sure that we are doing right uh, for these people who are fleeing the horrors of war in Ukraine. When the war began in our country, it was Thursday and uh, I wake up uh, when I heard the message uh, on my phone get up we are bombed is the first uh, message that i took on thursday and i feel a little bit panic and i don't know what to do and i don't believe that it's true that we have war in our country elena ralovitz is a young woman who had been living and working in kiev up until fighting broke out after a long journey she's just arrived in dublin to be with her sister who lives in the city I don't want to leave Ukraine, but uh, when we we sleep in a bomb shelter the night after the war begins, so we uh, decide with uh, the girls who I live in uh, Kiev, we decide to go abroad because we were scared very much. Tell me, how did you how did you get to Ireland? What was your journey out of Ukraine like? First of all, we. Uh, take a train from Kiev to Lviv. It's a western part of Ukraine. In the train, um, we sit in a cabin, yes. Usually four people use this. Uh, but uh, that time, about 12 people use the cabin, one cabin. Uh, and we can't stand up, we can't move, just sit all the time. And we uh, get to Lviv about 14 hours in that uh, situation. When we get from the train in um, a railway station, first we um, hear the siren. Uh, we, <laughs> we hope that uh, when we get from Kyiv to Lviv, we will not hear the sirens. 
but uh, and we uh, hope that in Lviv it's safe for us but it's not true because um because we heard uh, the siren and in Lviv there is no bomb shelters and that's why we decide to go abroad because um, in Ukraine there is no safe place anymore unfortunately the most suitable word is a panic of course panic they want to be safe but they don't know where can they feel safe and how did you get from Lviv to the Polish border and then how did you get from the border to the airport we don't have a car so we decided to go by foot and there were uh, volunteers in Lviv that bring us to the start of the queue but it was about 30 kilometers to border so we uh, got by foot in the night with our luggages and with our bags and it uh, take about i don't know five uh, hours but uh, uh, some volunteers take us and uh, advise us to sleep in uh, some school in some village and we decide to rest uh, and uh, next day we go to the border we uh, stand in a queue about four or five um, hours and after that uh, we uh, get to Poland and in Krakow I have uh, tickets to uh, Dublin my sister um, bought it now you have many friends and family in Ukraine still, have you been able to keep in touch with them? And what are you hearing from Ukraine now? I, yes, of course, I am in touch with um, them by messengers. My parents stay in Chernihiv in Ukraine because my sister also want uh, them to get to Ireland, but they don't want to because um, they live in Ukraine the whole of their life and uh, they don't want to escape from Ukraine. And um, now they sleep in a bomb shelter. It's a very terrible situation and we connect uh, every morning just to know how their night was. They are very tired because they can't sleep normally uh, because uh, in a bomb shelters it's uh, quite uh, cold and uh, they can't lay. They just sit in a bomb shelter the whole night. It's very difficult. And like all of this has happened incredibly quickly. Even at the start of this year, could you ever have imagined such a terrible thing would have happened so fast in your country? No, I, for, for the first day of the war, I don't even believe. <laughs> I think that it's a provocation, some kind of provocation. And I even go to work during the first day of the war because the management of, in my company told us to go to work. Don't worry, don't panic. We will decide how to work the next days. So we can't even imagine that we uh, need to escape the, the days uh, after. So I get to work and, on Thursday and uh, I even tried to work. But uh, about 14 o'clock, we uh, heard the first sirens and we understood that it's not a joke. It's not a provocation. It's a war indeed. 
it was unbelievable for us. We we couldn't believe, we don't want to believe that it's war come to our Ukraine. Lena, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much. Irish people help us a lot. Thank you very much for that. That's all for today. Thank you to my guests, Tatiana Marishka, Olena Melantova, Harry McGee and Elena Ralovitz. This podcast was produced by Jennifer Ryan and Suzanne Brennan. In the News will be back on Friday.